Good morning, church. God's beloved people. You know, there are two things that will melt the hardest heart. One is a revelation, a heart revelation of how much God loves you. You get a heart revelation of how much God loves you, bangles your theology. And life is never the same again. And the other thing is God's love for his people. God loves his church. Sometimes I look around and I just melt. And uh, it's such a privilege to bring the word of God to God's people. If we didn't believe this was the word of God, I wouldn't be here. Um, as, as Andy said about last November, I found the same thing coming up again and again. Sometimes that's the Lord trying to get through to me. Uh, God's speaking and I'm not listening. That wouldn't be the first time. I'm sure it won't be the last time either. But sometimes I, I, I get a definite sense that God's giving me something to pass on. Sometimes to an individual, sometimes to the whole church. So um, hopefully these scriptures are going to come up on the screen behind me. Let's begin at uh, the first chapter of John. If, if I would ever write a book, I'd like to think that, that I could write something like this. This is one of the most be beautiful passages in the scriptures. And, uh, yeah, we've got it. Great. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, we know this is talking about Jesus. He was the Word made flesh. It, it moves very swiftly. In the beginning was the Word, and then in verse 2, he. He was, the Word was, in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made. And John is giving us a real clear pointer to in the beginning, in the beginning of the whole book. If you go back to uh, the, the very first chapter in the whole Bible, the book of Genesis, begins with the same three words, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So God's setting the scene there. And then it says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light. There was evening and morning, the first day, verse 6. Then God said, let there be a firmament, and there was, and there was evening and morning and the second day, and verse 9, then God said, in the beginning was the word. There's a revelation there for us. Did you know that the word of God is the beginning of every new, every new adventure God wants to take you on? 
The first thing God does is to speak. God speaks to you personally. I know I say this every time I stand up here. But the fact that we have a speaking God is unique. There's nobody else in the world. Only us lot who claim to have a God who speaks to us personally. Now, you know, don't you, that I'm not talking about audible words. I'm not talking about these ears when I talk about God speaking to us and us hearing. The Word of God is not aimed at your head. It's not aimed at these ears. It's aimed at your heart. Okay? God finds a way to communicate. I want you to think about how you got saved. Most of us in here today, I think, would fall into that category. And if that's not you, it can happen today. It's the most life-changing thing that will ever happen to you. But think about how you got saved. God found a way to communicate, to let you know personally. That's amazing that God found a way to communicate with you personally that he is real. That this book is real. That Jesus is real. That he's alive today. And that what Jesus did those 2,000 years ago is important. And you, personally, you can reap the benefit of that if you will pray and repent and open your heart to him and give your life to Jesus. And you believed it and you acted on it. And life has never been the same since. Well, that's the pattern. Okay? God speaks into our life. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. When God speaks to you, God finds a way to communicate to you. To impart something to you. You believe it. You receive it. It generates faith. It says in him was life. And the life was the light of men. God's word brings life brings life into us and it brings light we see things that we never saw before that's how God shows us things we see the truth about him and we see the truth about us <laughs> one is good news one is not so good okay but God brings light and life and we believe it now at the time God spoke to you, you might have been full of doubt, full of fears maybe, misgivings. What's going to happen if I become a Christian? But you believed enough to act on it. And it worked. Well, it's the same. This is the pattern for our lives. God speaks into our lives. We hear it. Not with these, but in here. We hear it. And we believe it, and we act on it. But it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word that God speaks to us, as wonderful as that is. And there's a blessing in the encounter. Do you know that if you have an encounter with the Word of God, 
you have an encounter with God himself. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God is his Word, and his Word is God. When you have an encounter, when you receive something from heaven, a heavenly revelation, a personal revelation, that's God dealing with you personally. If, uh, if you can put the, a, sl a slide up for uh, John chapter 8, verse 30, it says, Jesus was preaching, it says, and as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus said to those who believed in him, as he says to us who believe in him, if you abide in my word, if you continue in my word, if you dwell in my word, if my word is where you live, then you are my disciples indeed, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, it's not just the truth that makes us free. It's the truth we know that makes us free. And you don't know something just because you've read it once. You don't know someone just because you've met them once. Knowing takes time and effort. In the Bible, it's described, it, it takes faith and patience. Faith, the Bible says, comes from hearing. When God speaks to you, it generates faith. It doesn't generate patience. Another word for patience from a biblical point of view is stickability. It's perseverance. It's endurance. It's long-suffering. It's stand firm. The word is just the beginning. Uh, in Hebrews 6, if you could find the slide with that one on. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12, Paul says, We earnestly desire that every one of you be demonstrating the same diligence and to the full assurance of the hope until the end. It's not just the beginning. You've got to keep going so that you do not become lazy, but that you be imitators of those who, through faith, and steadfast endurance or faith and patience inherit the promises. We inherit the promises. We don't earn them. I would hate it if this came across to you as you must do better. You must try harder to earn God's favor and then everything will... No, that's not the gospel, folks. It's not... We've already got God's favor. He loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. And nothing will ever diminish that love. Nothing. 
Your sin is not a problem. He's dealt with the sin through Christ on the cross. We are God's children. He is my dad. He loves me, loves me, loves me, even when I do what's wrong. And I love it when God speaks to me, even when he's telling me off. In fact, some of my most precious times with God have come when he's saying, John, this is wrong. This in your life has to go. Yeah, and he's not telling me that so that he'll love me anymore if I improve. He's not. He loves me just as I am and he loves you just as you are. But there is an element in which we have a part to play. Let's turn swiftly to um, well, Hebrews 10.36 says, You have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. But if you could turn on the slide to Matthew 13. Everybody knows the parable of the sower. Okay? The sower goes out to sow the word. Uh, the parable of the sower. I'm going to read the parable um, and then the explanation of it. On the same day, Matthew 13, verse 1, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, when you read behold in the Bible, it means God wants you to see something. Not with these. God wants you to see something. He wants the penny to drop. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, not these, let him hear. Amplified Bible says, e, he who has ears to hear, let him be listening. I find that a challenge, don't you? Let him be listening and discerning and understanding. Jesus explains this parable. On to the next slide, if you would. Matthew 13, verse 18. Therefore, Jesus says, Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. The devil is frustrated that he can't stop you hearing. He would like to. And he uses all kinds of diversionary tactics to get you occupied with other things, but he cannot stop you hearing from God. But he will do everything in his power to make sure that you don't continue in it. Because Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. 
Whenever the Lord speaks to you, however he does it, you know, it's different for all of us, and it's different for each one of us anyway. It changes all the time. It might be reading the Bible. It might be hearing a sermon. It might be just fellowshipping with another Christian. It might be just a growing conviction that you are sure God is trying to say to you this. It might be a collection of lots and lots of little things that in themselves don't mean much, but put together, you, your spirit lets you know that God is trying to communicate. And of course, the devil will say to you, that's not God. Why would God speak to you? Who do you think you are? You know, in the beginning, when the snake, who was Satan, appeared to Eve, what was the first thing he said? Has God said? When Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, there was an audible voice. They are very, very rare. Okay, don't be hanging around waiting for the audible voice of God. But there was an audible voice of God. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. And what was the first thing Satan said when he showed up? He said, if you are the Son of God. There will always be doubt about whether God is speaking to you. Because if there was no doubt... You wouldn't need faith. Okay. But someone once said, believe your believing and doubt your doubts. The more you believe that God is speaking to you, God wants to speak to you personally because it's the beginning of every new adventure God wants to take you on. Believe your believing and doubt your doubts. Okay. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, it is not talking about our human ability to understand. It's not talking about your intellect. God will never speak to you in such a way that is beyond your mental ability to understand it. It's not talking about that. Job 28, 28 says, But to man, God said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil, that is understanding. The ground that the seed is put in, onto, dropped into, is your heart, not your head, not your brain. It's your heart. The Word of God is aimed at your heart. Now, God will never speak to me in a way that I don't understand. He has often spoken to me something I did not want to hear. Okay, hard-heartedness is a normal human condition. God is in the process of taking away our heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh, something that the sword of the Lord, the Word of God, can penetrate. So we've all experienced God 
trying to speak to us again and again and again, and I don't want to hear it. It just bounces off. That's the hard ground. It says, he who received the word, this is the next one, in stony places, this is, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Hearing God speak to you is fantastic. However he does it, he receives it with joy. Yet, it says, he has no root in himself, but endures. There's that word again. I appreciate this is bad news for those people who think that you become a Christian and everything's rosy after that. And that, you know, when God speaks to you, it automatically comes to pass. If you've got a promise, well, that's it. God's going to do it. If it's God's will, it will come to pass. Yeah, but it says, if you. I don't know how you get past that. If you. It says, he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Persecution and tribulation are aimed at one thing. Getting you to let go of the word God has spoken to you. That's where it's all about. And you know, you think, you know, God spoke to you and uh, everything was great to start with. And then, and then it just all goes pear-shaped. And goes horribly wrong. And you get to doubting, was it really God? I thought it was God. I acted on it, but it's all gone wrong. Therefore, it can't have been God's word. Nonsense. Tribulation and persecution are solely aimed at getting you to let go of what God has said to you. That's why we need to stand firm. We need to stick with it. We need to endure. Sometimes it is long-suffering. But tribulation and persecution do not mean that it wasn't God. It's part of the devil's tactics to make you let go. And often you'll be surprised where the persecution comes from. But the message is clear. All this will go away if you will only let go of the word, but do not. He who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. There are so many things in our lives and in this world trying to choke the word, the cares of this world. It's not just the cares either. You look at the other gospel accounts of this, it's the pleasures. The cares and pleasures just get occupied with the things of the world, with the natural things. And we, and we do have to be occupied with them. But the word needs to come first. The deceitfulness of riches. Well, there's a sermon all by itself. We could be here all day, couldn't we? On the deceitfulness of riches. It promises you everything and delivers you nothing. How many of us think, despite the fact that we're Christians, despite the fact that we've been Christians for many years, 
How many of us think how, how much better, how much easier life would be if we just had more money? That's the deceitfulness of riches. And we've all known people in our lives who have begun well, but have pursued mammon, riches, given their life and their energy to getting more of it. And it's deceitful. The Bible says you can't love God and mammon. You'll either love one and hate the other, or vice versa. Riches are deceitful, but... 23, he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, believes it, who indeed bears fruit, who puts it into practice. That's, you know, like the master and the apprentice. God speaks to us. The master speaks to the apprentice. He gives them the theory. But you've got to take that theory, take those instructions, and practice it. Put it into practice. And sometimes it doesn't work, you think, the way it should. Yeah? But we need to persevere. We need to endure. Through long-suffering, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. I'm nearly done. There are two Christians, and we can be like one of these two Christians. One called Percy, and one called Peter. Persevere, and Peter out. One of them not only hears the word, but he learns, she learns, they learn through time and effort how to put it into practice, how to make it part of his or her life. He allows it to change his thinking, change his speaking, change his behavior, and in this way, he himself is changed. The other shares the blessing found in hearing the word, but gets discouraged when it doesn't seem to work, he gets embarrassed by his failure and learns how to avoid that embarrassment in the future by letting go of the word he heard. Jesus said, if you continue, abide, remain, dwell in my word, then you are truly my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When Moses got something from the Lord, and he told it to the people, uh, he wanted them to remember it. He wanted it to stick. So he put it in a song, and I've done the same. I am nowhere near as good a songwriter as Moses. But the song is called, like the message, stick with it. Stick with it. If you forget anything else, stick with it.
Finish line. 